wind blowing toward right field. If Alex could find something to pull, get it in the air, he would get some help. Familia's next pitch. Belted to deep center. Back goes Lagares. And gone, Alex Gordon. And comes the pitch. Broken bat, one hopper to third. And over to first in time. Runner going to try to score. Wild throw. Hosmer gambling that he could dash home on the throw to first base. And the Royals have tied the game. For the very best in baseball, this is the place you want to be. Let's get it going on the Locked On Royals podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. On today's show, we're going to talk about the Royals game against the Diamondbacks yesterday and also preview their matchup for today. So, again, you can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Let me know what you guys think about all these topics we discuss. Let's start with the tie against the Diamondbacks again the Royals end in a tie in spring training. You can only play 10 innings if it is a tie, and you can also agree to just forego the 10th inning and end in a tie, and these two teams did that. Ryan O'Hearn hit another home run yesterday, and he's really been on fire at the plate. We talked about it yesterday, that this first base race is very tight. There's not a lot of separation Ryan, uh, Ryan McBroom, of course, went one for one for three yesterday as well, as O'Hearn did. I think it's going to go to O'Hearn. As I said yesterday, I think that this this first base competition is going to go to Ryan O'Hearn, and we'll see him as the opening day first baseman for your Kansas City Royals. McBroom is showing a lot of versatility, playing in the outfield some, although the Royals, again, have a locked-up outfield. You know who's going to be in the outfield. There's not any spots up for grabs for position players outside of first base, and it looks like Ryan O'Hearn has taken that job. McBroom does go one for three, turns in a solid effort nonetheless. I think he'll make the team. I think he'll be a nice bench bat. I think that he'll play some and get into the game some, but O'Hearn is going to be the bulk guy at first base. He's going to be your everyday player over there at first base. On the mound, Trevor Rosenthal was amazing again. I, th- I think he's figured it out. I mean, he's throwing 100 miles per hour, 99 miles per hour, jumping up to 102 miles per hour. He's got his velocity back. He's shown a ton of control, a ton of command. And again, he pitched a clean inning yesterday and was just amazing. Josh Stomont pitched another good inning yesterday. And what's good about his inning is that it was not 1-2-3. He was throwing 100 miles per hour. Of course, Stomont has some of the best velocity in baseball. And he just hasn't been able to put it together in his career and he's looking to put it together now. But Josh Stomont gave up two hits and worked out of it. And that's good to see because for a guy like Josh Stomont in his entire career, he struggled with runners on base. He struggled with compartmentalizing that and just going ahead and attacking the hitter, go ahead and trying to get the out. And to see him run into a bit of a jam for the first time all spring, really, you know, for the first time he had multiple runners on, he works out of it smoothly and turns it over with no runs allowed. That was awesome to see from Josh Stomont and really encouraging. And he's another guy who I think has cemented his spot on the Royals 26-man roster. Greg Holland got back on track on the mound yesterday. His last time out, he got roughed up for the first time all spring. And he's 
he's back now. He's back in the groove of things. That's going to happen. You're going to see Holland be up and down. I'm surprised, to be honest, that Trevor Rosenthal has not also been up and down. Trevor Rosenthal has been very steady. He's been very good. He's always turned in quality outings. So I'm interested to see how long that can last for Rosenthal. Maybe it lasts all year, but I highly doubt it for any reliever, much less for Trevor Rosenthal. But Greg Holland getting back on track is, is huge for him. And hopefully he can keep that momentum going as we finish out spring training here. And then the starter, Mike Montgomery, who we also expect Mike Montgomery to be in the rotation. We expect him to be a part of that opening day rotation. He looked fine. I mean, gave up a couple runs over four innings for your fourth starter, maybe your fifth starter. That's fine to give up a couple runs, limit the damage, and that's still a winnable ball game. In 2020, if you give up two runs or even if you give up four runs, that's fine. Your offense should be good enough to overcome that. So it's a solid outing from him. Nothing to write home about. Nothing to get on here and 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 overly praise him for. But he had a fine game. It was all right. Uh, but Kyle Isbell is someone who I want to talk about from yesterday's game. Yesterday he goes one for two with an inside the park home run. He's played electric defense all spring training long. He's been very good at the plate all spring training long. And he's a guy who I don't think a lot of Rose fans know. He's one of the prospects that kind of flew under the radar in the sense of for the average fan. But Kyle Isbell can totally be a guy who is with this core and with this team when they're finally good again, when they're finally competing again. And he's shown that this spring. His ability to make plays in the outfield that don't seem possible, his ability at the plate makes him an all-around good player. Now, again, the outfield is solidified. Every day you're going to have Alex Gordon Every day you're going to have Whit Merrifield, and every day you're going to have Hunter Dozier. So keeping a young guy like Kyle Isbell on the bench is not very useful. He won't get enough at-bats to grow and mature as a player, so you might as well send him down. He's not going to make the opening day roster, but he is a guy to keep an eye on as we progress through this minor league uh, season. He's a guy to keep an eye on and, and, and to really focus on because he can be that next wave. You know, We talked about it a couple weeks ago. This outfield solidified for now. But Gordon's going to retire after this year. You would have to assume that Gordon's retiring after this year. Whit Merrifield's probably going to get traded by the winter meetings. From now until the winter meetings, he'll probably be traded. So he's another spot that's opened up. Michael Franco's only under contract for this season. So that third base spot can open up in which resulting in Hunter Dozier moving back over to third base. So there's going to be a lot of holes in the outfield to cover. And Kyle Isbell has really answered that call here recently, and he's been a guy who you look at and you see, and you can see a future with him in a Rose uniform. Same for Khalil Lee. Khalil Lee has had a good spring training as well, but Kyle Isbell has just been awesome. He's just been awesome this year uh, in spring training. Again, it's spring training, I know, but he's played very well, and he does deserve a ton of credit for that. So let's take a quick break before we break down today's matchups. So today the Royals take on the A's and the Brewers, and we're back on the Lockdown Royals podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. So the two big storylines from this game, because we can go down the lineup all we want to, but the lineup is, for the most part, is what it is. I mean, we know who's going to be in it opening day. We know the kind of players they are. So the lineup does not really have that much impact for me anymore uh, in terms of discussion, in terms of previewing for each spring training day. I'm more worried about the pitching staff, and today we get two guys who need a bounce back. Jorge Lopez, after he was cruising all spring long, ran into some trouble the last time out, 
And how does he respond to that? Can he get back over the hump and can he get back on track? Because he's a guy who, like some of these other pitchers, once they run into trouble the first time, they kind of unravel. And so I want to see Jorge Lopez respond to his rough outing tonight against the A's. And then for Brad Keller, he's going to take on the Brewers and he's he needs to put together a good start. I mean, he's been roughed up a few times. He's been pretty decent, if you want to call him decent. You know, it's kind of the best you can call him. He needs to have a start worth talking about tomorrow. I need to be moved by Brad Keller today and talking about him tomorrow on this show because Danny Duffy has done that in each of his starts. And so this is a race for who's the opening day starter. Mike Matheny is still leaning towards Brad Keller, but Brad Keller needs to show me something, and he, he needs to go out there and have a good start in this game because we talk about how spring training does not matter, but Brad Keller is not a guy who it doesn't matter for. Brad Keller is still a guy who's trying to prove himself, trying to prove he's a big league hitter. He's done nothing in this league. He had a fine season last year. He's done nothing in this league. When Garrett Cole goes out there and gets shelled because he's working on three different pitches at one time that he probably will never use again, that's fine. That's a Cy Young caliber pitcher. Brad Keller does not have that same kind of leniency. He needs to go out there today, and he needs to turn in a good effort, a good outing. I really want to see that from him as the Royals take on the A's and the Brewers. I also wanted to shift into the coronavirus. And obviously, it is a big topic right now. Obviously, it impacts some a lot of people in the world and in the United States as well. It's kind of a hot-button topic. I'm not sure how that we as Americans have turned a virus into a divisive topic. But we have, because we can turn everything into a divisive topic. But MLB comes out today, and or I guess yesterday. They came out yesterday, to be factual here, and have limited uh, locker room access to saying nobody can access the locker room. And basically, from my understanding, that the media scrums are going to happen in interview settings. The same way they happen for the All-Star game, the same way they happen for the postseason, it'll happen that way starting now. And until whenever this ban gets lifted on the media for, of course, trying to protect the players from coronavirus. I, you know, that's fine. Move, move it to the podium room, the media room. That makes sense in a way. I mean, you're not going to get as many stories this way in the sense of they're not going to send the whole team to the podium. They're going to send one or two guys. And it might not be the guys who you want to talk to that day. So that kind of sucks for the media. I get it. My thing is that for every sport, and this, this this is not just baseball. This is also college basketball, which is dealing with this right now, as the Ivy League just cancels their conference tournament. And the Big 12 limits, you know, Big 12 is mainly the region for Kansas City, so I'll, I'll shift it towards the Big 12. The Big 12 limits media access today, and, and you cannot, you, if you go to practice, you cannot sit in the front row. You have to sit two rows back. At a max, and that's the most you can get forward is two rows. And then, you know, they, they've changed their media policies as well. I get it. You want to protect people from, from the player. You want to protect the players from, from any point of contact. Because let's face it here. If a player gets infected by the coronavirus in any sport, college, professional, whatever, not only is he around, on average, 25 guys, you know, 15 in basketball, 
26 in baseball, however many there are in the MLS. I'm sorry, Sporting Kansas City fans. I'm not sure the roster construction for the MLS. Around 25 guys in terms of just his teammates. That's not including coaches. That's not including PR staff. That's not including athletic trainers. That's not including anything else like that. Nutritioners, chefs. That's not including any of that. So if one, if you get one player sick, you have, in fact, you've doubled the coronavirus outbreak. But let's put this back into context here. Number one, the coronavirus is only impacting, for the most part, on average, 65-year-old people with respiratory problems. Number two, I totally get this move with the media. And I'm not sitting here and saying that, you know, I'm taking the side of the media in the sense that they're getting wronged. I'm saying, why not make that next step already? And the next step would be eliminating fans. Because if we're going to eliminate the media, which is a controlled environment, we know how many media members there are. We know the media members. We can tell and pick out who is who and can get a gauge on if they're sick or not because it's a controlled environment. There's about 10, 15, 20 of them. We can control that group. And we're still banning a controlled group, which is fine. I agree with it. Be as per, be precautious. Take steps to better the players. Because again, it's not so much that they are athletes. It's that on a daily basis, they come into contact with so many people. More so than you or I even. Because that's just a part of their job. So we cannot afford to get them sick. Can't afford to get anyone sick, but especially someone who on a daily basis is is for sure going to mingle and mix with that many people. So I get taking this step in terms of the media. What I'm trying to say is the media is a controlled group and we're still going to ban them and restrict them. Why are we not taking that same sort of approach with the fans? Because the fans are not a controlled group. They're, They're triple the size of the media. And they come from all various places, from all various walks of life. There's a better chance that a fan has coronavirus than a media member. That's just the odds because there's more fans than there are media members. They're not doing that because of the money. They, they, they want to hold off on that as long as possible so that, so that way they can keep making money. This shouldn't be about money. This should be about safety. And if you feel like the coronavirus, which again is only impacting those who are elderly and those who already have pre-existing health conditions, if you feel like that can get spread from the media to the players, then it really can get spread from the fans to the players. Fans who are leaning over on them, touching them, trying to high-five them, trying to exchange pins with them you know, for autographs. Do you know how dirty a pin can be? I mean, it's just simple stuff like that to where let's take the step to ban media. Let's also take the step to ban fans. Let's play in an empty arena. Let's play in an empty field. The only people there are, you know, enough people to officiate the game, play the game, coach the game, doctor the game. You know, you need to have someone on there who can treat injuries. And then broadcast the game. Now, in terms of broadcasting, 
you can move up now. There's no fans there, so move back from the playing surface, broadcast it, and then go about your business. No interviews, no anything like that afterwards. That should be, if we're going to take these steps, that should be the step we take, is eliminating fans and then non-essential media members. So, I get it, again, I get it to ban media, but I also would like to see them ban fans if they're going to take this step, because, frankly, there's a much better chance a fan has corona than a media member, because the media member is a controlled small group, the fans are triplet size, and come in contact with, you know, who knows what. Whereas a media member, you can kind of know their daily life and routine better than you can a fan. And you still can't know that. So I get banning the media. I totally get it. And I would encourage it. I'd also encourage banning fans. But it comes down to the fact that the fans make them money, the media doesn't. The media gets in for free, they eat for free, and they get to do their job. The fan has to pay to get in, has to pay to park, has to pay to eat, has to pay to drink, has to pay to do everything. So the fan makes the money, the media doesn't. I would encourage banning everyone. Again, if it was up to me, I would say, you know what, until we understand this problem, until we understand what's happening fully, let's shut everything down besides the bare bones minimum. We'll still broadcast the game. So we'll have a play-by-play guy, a color guy, a producer, the cameras, that's it. They won't come in contact with the players. The players will not come in contact with them. And we'll just be separated. I'd be fine with that. But I think once you go to that step to limit the media access, you also need to limit the fan access. But it's about money. And that's a shame because it should be about, of course, public safety. Now let's wrap up this show with some housekeeping notes for the Locked on Rolls podcast. The Fantasy Baseball Draft on ESPN.com will be on Wednesday, March 24th. I believe that's a Wednesday. No, it's a Tuesday, I think. Anyway, it'll be on March 24th. You can email me to enter. You can email LockedOnRoyals at gmail.com or you can at me on Twitter or message me on Twitter. My DMs are open at Rylan underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Send in questions for Thursday's show to both of those same you know, platforms. Again, if you don't have Twitter, email me, LockedOnRoyals at gmail.com. If you do have Twitter, tweet at me or message me your question or your ESPN account to enter into the fantasy baseball draft at Ryland underscore styles. It's at R Y L A N underscore S T I L E S. So tomorrow's show, we will recap the A's and the Brewers game Thursday. We'll try to have a mailbag show. If you guys send in questions and then Friday, we'll find out just how good the Royals will be. And you will not want to miss Friday's show. Cause it's going to be different. It's going to be something that could be great. Something that could be awful. So I don't know. Just tune in Friday and find out. And that concludes the Lockdown Rolls podcast for today. But head on over to the Lockdown Fantasy Baseball show and get prepared for our fantasy draft on March 24th by listening to Lockdown Fantasy Baseball. Be good and be good to one another, and I'll see you tomorrow on the Lockdown Rolls podcast.